Before we start this podcast, we have a quick word from our sponsor. Hey there. Have you ever thought to yourself, I really like hockey and I'd love a show to listen to, but I also don't have enough nonsense in my life and questionable opinions. Ha, I got the show for you, bud. And there's some really, really thirsty person in that group, okay, that will be like, I'll give you $7 for that lemonade. And the $2 person is like, whoa, okay, walking away. That person's crazy. That is exactly what happens in free agency all the time. And that is a really good metaphor. And if you don't appreciate it, put the phone down and get out of here. We don't want you around. You can't say, hey, you tripped this guy, but also he dove. Well, if he dove, I didn't trip him. If you're a goalie, just, you know, chill. You don't have to do as much as you think you need to do. But also we talk about hockey. So go check out Siren Sounder, a Canes podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes every Monday and after every playoff game during the playoffs. Let's go Canes! Welcome to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy, we are coming and recording actually on Sunday after the Islanders beat the Washington Capitals and have taken a 3-0 lead in the series. Commanding. Um, commanding. A commanding, a commanding lead. It really is a death grip, I would argue, too. That's true. <laughs> grumpy, my first, my first question for you is how do you think the Islanders have been playing so far? And I know this is kind of a dumb question, right? Because the Islanders have, I think, been playing our style of hockey. But I kind of wanted to get your initial take on what you thought of the first three games. Uh, Number one, I think that uh, Barry Trotz knows how to play the Washington Capitals. I mean, I think that's just pretty obvious. Uh, You've seen ever since he's been here, actually, uh, we've been really, really competitive and with Washington. which surprises me, honestly, considering their talent level. And I think he's a vastly superior coach to Todd Reardon. Yes, I do agree. And we talked about that on last week's podcast, what were going to be the most important parts of this series. And I remember I was hitting home, number one, the most important part of this series is going to be the head coaching difference. I think Barry Trotz is a superior coach to Todd Reardon. And I don't care if on paper the Washington Capitals look like they have more talent than the Islanders. I think Barry Trotz knows how to play the Capitals, number one. And number two, I think when you're talking about what's important in a playoff series, especially looking at the way this 2020 NHL playoffs is going down, it's so crucially important to have a head coach that's disciplined and they play a stingy style of defense, especially when we are picking up hockey after that long hiatus. That is one of the most important things a team can have. I just want to say something. I'm going to start calling you Pepper Brooks on this podcast if you just repeat what I just said exactly about uh, uh, Trotz being a better coach than Reardon. Uh, everything that I just said, you just repeated in different words, just like Pepper Brooks, okay, from Dodgeball. So 
you know, oh, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it like this, grumpy old man. I had to go ahead and toot my own horn a little bit. I was telling you last podcast of how important it was that the head coach is gonna make a huge difference in this series, and you told me verbatim that head coaches aren't that important and players play the game. And I told you 100 the head coaching battle is gonna be so important in this series, and I think it has so far for the first three games. Whatever, Pepper. Keep going. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of want to start off because there is a lot to unpack. Um, I think the first notable thing to talk about here on the podcast is the Anders Lee hit to Nicholas Backstrom. I think Clean it kind of Clean hit. Clean hit. <laughs> Don't you know what? Don't get okay. I'm gonna tell you what, 20 years ago, no one's even talking about that because uh players used to actually keep their heads up when they played. You know, uh, Don Cherry used to have a saying, don't get caught skating across the trolley tracks. And that's exactly what happened. Matter of fact, I remember in the playoffs in the uh, 1990s when Scott Stevens laid out Eric Lindros on a hit uh, way worse than that. Uh, you know, when you see Lindros twitching on the ice, I kind of enjoyed it because I hate those filthy, dirty flyers. And I liked the Devils back in the day. And it was a nice, clean hit, too. I mean, Anders Lee practically touched this guy. What's he made out of glass? I mean, suck it up, Backstrom. Get out there. <laughs> oh, the grumpy old man is in full swing, and we're not even five minutes in. He, he, let me tell you something. He eased up. He eased up when he hit him. He could have really laid him out. I would have loved to see that, but he didn't. I mean, the guy just kind of run into him a little bit, and he was almost apologetic. Honestly, if you look at the tape, he was kind of apologetic. Then Carlson comes over and gets beat up, and then Wilson is going after him the rest of the game. That's a whole other can of wax, which I'm sure we're going to be getting into. Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. But, Grumpy, I do want to talk about the hit really quickly and address it. Um, in that situation, I think Backstrom was definitely watching his passes. That's something you learn not to do in peewees. Don't watch the pass. <laughs> and, I, you know – I think obviously that's not a hit. If you could take that out of the game, ideally you would want to. And that's, you know, for the, for the result of player safety. In the same token though, Anders Lee really didn't hit him that hard, and if he wanted to hit him, he could have <laughs> looking at, you know, obviously I think Baxter wanted being concussed, but if Anders Lee would have hit him at the same capacity of which some of these Washington Capitals are hitting our players and, and cross-checking them from behind or hitting and boarding them or, you know, trying to go ahead and target them with a, a predatory hit, as Todd Rudin likes to call that hit that Anders Lee delivered to Nicholas Backstrom. You know, I'll be interested to see if Todd Rudin has any uh, thing to go ahead and add on to the hit where Orloff went ahead and targeted and aimed at John Gabriel Pajot's head today or if that's going to be conveniently left off the agenda on his talking points. He's not going to say anything about that. And the only thing predatory with uh, in regards to Todd Reardon and his comb hitting whatever he's got left at the top of his hair. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, predatory, I don't know what the heck he's talking about. Grumpy, hold on, Grumpy. You are coming at another man in the Follicly Challenge community. So what? He's bald. He's bald. He's not following the job. He's bald. I don't know what the heck he's doing. You know what? Take a razor to that thing. Buzz it off. I'm sick and tired of looking at those six wisps of hair. And he tries to, I think he even tries to part them a little bit on the sides. Why are you wasting your time, brother? Get rid of it. A predatory comb. You know what? He combs his hair with a washcloth, that guy. All right? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, grumpy! I do like I do like podcasting with you right after games because I feel like you're more feisty after games. Well, what can I tell you? I'm ready to go. 
even some of our even some of our usual passengers have actually started to play well this series. Oh, trust me, we're going to address that here later on. But I wanted to talk about how that hit has altered the series. Um, and there's really one or two ways things can transpire. When you see a hit like that, that kind of changes the momentum. And given it was early in the first game that that happened, but it's either one or two ways that can happen. If a hit like that is delivered, even almost like Chris Tanev hit. I think it was Nathan Horton back in the Stanley Cup finals against the uh, Boston Bruins. You see that hit. It sometimes has a chance to alter the makeup of the series. I think it has definitely made the series more physical for sure. And and the Islanders have benefited from that because the Washington Capitals have been taking a lot of uncharacteristically dumb penalties because they're trying to enforce their physical will on the Islanders. Uh, first of all, it was not Chris Tanev on Nathan Horton. I believe it was Aaron Rome. That's right. That's right. General Grumpy. This that game. Well, that's a better half of over half a decade ago. I'm shocked they even remembered it was Nathan Horton. It was 2011, so it was nine years ago. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I think you are seeing, uh, particularly Tom Wilson and uh, Dylan, uh, trying to be extra aggressive against the Islanders, and and sometimes. And I'll be honest with you, I'm disappointed. Matt Martin has taken a number of undisciplined penalties in this series that have cost us. And I just wonder, you know, if Matt Barzell took a penalty like that, if he get a tongue lashing and they say something in the press conference after the game. But it seems like Matt Martin, can, you know, it doesn't matter how many of those he takes or how many stupid penalties Leo, uh, Uncle Leo Komarov takes, I mean, every single game. Uh, you know, we don't say anything about them because we like them. Well, I will say this much. Because we spent time have... in the old age home with them. <laughs> Grumpy. I was definitely in support of playing Ross Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before we get on to Ross Johnson, because I'm 100% agreeing with that, the biggest thing in losing Backstrom, you got to remember, Washington was really controlling that first game until that hit. That changed the whole – to me, it changed the whole tenor of the series. And the loss of Backstrom to that team is huge. It's monumental, actually. He, he is such a catalyst and a playmaker on the power play. And I understand the Washington Capitals power play was not terrific this year. They said it was the worst power play. I know they've been touting it around as like one of the worst power plays they've had. And again, I think it's like seven or eight years, at least with the, with the conversion percentage. Yeah, they were seven, uh, 17th in the league this year. Yes. But it, and again, this year, or at least this playoff series, they've gone three for 11 on the power play against the Islanders. So our penalty kill has not been terrific, and our special teams as a whole have been hideous, which we're going to address more later because our power play right now, we're sitting at one for 14. We've had plenty of opportunities and chances, haven't really been able to convert on all that many of them. But the reason we're getting all these chances is because guys like Tom Wilson and, and a cast of other players for the Washington Capitals are really trying to impose their will upon the New York Islanders. I, I feel like Tom Wilson has, on average, two or three penalties a game, Grumpy. Yeah, he was better today. Um, but he still took two or three yeah, penalties. Yeah, but he was better today. He was wildly undisciplined the first two games. And let's be honest, that first game, if uh, Holtby doesn't let in that softy against Eberly, we probably don't win that game. That was at the tail end of the second period. If he doesn't let that soft goal in, I don't know what happens there, honestly. Um, but – I'm 100% agreement with you in uh, 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 in regards to Wilson. And for myself, I play Ross Johnston. I don't know why he's not in the lineup. 
Well, it's hard to complain, right? And I've, I've had this thought myself. I, like Ross Johnson, always have. And I don't think Leo has contributed as much as originally we would like for him to contribute because he's he's touted as, as a power play kill specialist. And he's a guy who gets underneath the skin of the Washington Capitals. And I never like to see a team like the Islanders get, I won't call it out physical, but where you see another team playing a little more dirty. And you see it, they're calling it, which I'm happy about. A lot of times you don't see those NHL referees calling these dirty types of plays and hits and cross checks and boarding penalties and target, you know what I mean, trying to charge or anything like that or elbowing or slashing to the back of calves. You see a lot of that go in the NHL playoffs. And to our luck and and to the way the game is actually supposed to be played, they're actually calling those as penalties as of right now. And I am a big fan of Ross Johnson, but again, it's really hard to complain when we're up three to nothing in the series. Well, I'm going to tell you what, they're letting a lot of that stuff go anyway. I mean, they're calling a lot, but they're letting a lot of that stuff go. Because you can't call everything. And in regards to Leo Komarov, I mean, today they almost laughed at him when he was skating. One time he was skating into the offensive zone. And first, it's like he didn't know how to handle a stick. And then he just falls down on the ground. And nobody near me just falls down. I almost thought he lost both of his skate blades. I'm like, what the heck are you doing out there? I mean, I don't see the benefit. And you're right. If he's not on the penalty kill and he's not producing on the penalty kill, which he's not, why is he in the lineup? You know, I was thinking the same as that question myself. Because Arthur Staple made sure to tweet that out. As soon as we gave up the first power play goal to the Washington Capitals today, um, he said that John Gable Pajot won the draw. He was able to get the puck to Komarov, who had a weak clearance, wasn't able to clear the puck. They kept it in the zone, and they were able to convert on the power play. And obviously that doesn't bode well, right, for Leo Komarov, who is the, the penalty kill specialist. But in the same token, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo this again, grumpy old man. I like Ross Johnston, but it's really tough to complain with about the results. I Even though I think... In isolated incidences, it would be nice to have Ross Johnson out there just to pummel Tom Wilson once or just to go ahead and oppose his will upon one Washington capital so you don't see the boarding. You don't see them trying to target guys like Jean-Gabriel Pajot. You don't see – I mean, like, you don't see the, the elbowing that they had on – I think it was uh, Andy Green or I can't remember, maybe Pellick. They have been trying to, to scare the New York Islanders with a heavy forecheck and a lot of dirty plays. If you have a guy like Ross Johnson in the lineup, it combats that. But again, we're winning games, so I really don't want to complain. And I'm the first person to complain that I would love to see Ross Johnson. But it's really tough to complain about the results that we're seeing on the ice. Yeah, my whole thing is you put Ross Johnson out there, it negates all of that stuff that they do. Just by his presence of being on the ice, that's all it does. It, Ross Johnson doesn't have to fight anybody. All he's got to do is be out there. And they don't take runs anymore. And it's not about this series. It's about the next series and potentially the next series after that, where when you're taking, getting run into the boards all the time, it wears on you. And as an older team with some older defensemen in there, uh, I just I just think you need a Ross Johnston presence. I, I really do. Uh, here, that said, we're beating Washington. Uh, they have no answer for us. And like I said, we're not the most skilled team in the world. But we have Washington's number right now. Well, I'm going to phrase it to you like this again, Grumpy. I agree with you. I like Ross Johnson. I think he would go ahead and cut out some of that physical play and some of the dirty plays that Washington is trying to go ahead and inflict upon us. But in the same token, as much as I'd like to see us stick up for ourselves and to be a physical combatant with them, 
we're beating them on the scoreboard, which is the most important factor. And let's be honest, I can't guarantee that those games would go exactly the way they they did and that the Islanders would have won all three of those games if Ross Johnson was in over Leo Komarov. There's no way to accurately predict that, right? But so, and that's and that's kind of where my point is. And 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 obviously, I have been wrong in that section because I supported obviously Ross Johnson, but it's really tough to say that that was a correct opinion because we just continue to win with Leo Komarov in the lineup. Uh, I don't think we're winning specifically because of him. So we're but, winning with a man short just because he shares an ephemeral, uh with uh, Lou Lamarillo at the end of every game. I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. Oh, and he shares a what, Grumpy Ephemeral, old man? It's like an old, it's like an old person drink to make sure that they get the vitamins that they need because they don't need as much when they get old. So, you know. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Ross Johnston would not hurt this team being in the lineup. He was fantastic in the run-up. They were talking about how good he'd been practicing. Give the kid a shot. Stop playing the geezers. Give the kid a shot. Okay. We, Grumpy, you can't be saying that. We're up 3 nothing in the series. I don't care. And I can't say it. I just did. <laughs> you heard it. We are up 3 nothing in the series, and there is not a lot. I mean, again, I want to reiterate this. We're not perfect. But I love the way that we're playing. We're doing a lot of things well. I also kind of want to switch gears a little bit, grumpy old man, and talk about some of your favorite New York Islanders. You knew this had to be coming with the performance of Andrews Lee and Josh Bailey. You, you were coming at them last podcast, calling them Jags, and that just stands for just another guy. That's what they are. And, That's what they and, are. Oh, grumpy, grumpy. They have been performing. They've been performing. And Andrews Lee so far this series – has three goals in three games, albeit one was an empty net goal. He's, but Josh he's Bailey, the king of the empty oh, net goal. Hold on. Hold on, Grumpy. Hold on, Grumpy. I'm not done yet. And Josh Bailey has got three points, one goal, two assists, both primary assists in this series already. Three points, one goal, two primary assists this series. All I'm going to say is these men have been performing and doing what they're supposed to do this series. Uh, Anders Lee – who is the king of the empty net goal. Oh, stop. He's the empty net goal king. That's why they put him out there to try to pay his stats. You know that. Stop, um, Grumpy, stop. That said, uh, <laughs> in game one, he was fantastic, and he did things that leaders do, and that's what he did. He started. He went out there. He was not afraid to mix it up with Wilson, where I'm going to tell you what, if – Wilson was out there in Johnston. You knew Wilson wanted to run away. Anders Lee stood up. He took a beating after that hit. Carlson went after him. Actually, I thought it was a smart play, him trying to take all of the, you know, considering how average he is, try to take Carlson off the ice, Backstrom off the ice. <laughs> you know, I think he trying to well, he's effectively taken Backstrom off the ice for almost the better half of three games. Right. And got, so that alone has been an absolute fantastic job. And he got Carlson off the ice. You know, I think that's what he was trying to do. Being the lesser player, you try to take superior players off the ice like that. And I thought he was good at it. Uh, joking, of course. Um, but I think that he's been fantastic. And there's been brief little snippets when he's been on the ice with Nelson and Bailey. And that line has been sensational. And every there was a period with four minutes to go in the second game where – the, that trio was out there. I even wrote it because, you know, sometimes I write some things down because I forget, especially when you get three games in a week. You know, I can't remember everything, so I jot a little things down. That's maybe the best shift I've ever seen those three guys play. They kept Ovechkin 
with four minutes to go, his line hemmed into that zone behind the net for, I want to say, almost a minute and 15 seconds. It was fantastic. And I think even today on uh, Lee's goal, Nelson was out there. I don't know if Bailey was out there too, but when those guys that, – that's why it drives me crazy when I see Lee play on a line with Barzal and Eberle when he's so much a better fit with Nelson and Bailey. Yes, Grumpy, I will agree that I know exactly the moment and the shift that you were talking about, and I think it was in game two, and it really went ahead and helped change the tides. 100% I do agree with you there. And it's it's important when you're looking at this series, the performance that we're seeing out of out of Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, and the top six, and even, I want to say, the fourth line has been spectacular. All the way around, I've been thoroughly impressed with the play of the Islanders. There has not been one line on five on five play that I've been disappointed with. That has been, you know, not not toting their weight. They have done well all together and I've been extremely impressed with them. And again, speak about the fourth line. Wow. They have played so well. And we talk about this. They've been the best fourth line in the NHL for a while. And they brought them back together and they're playing extremely well. I have no complaints at all with the fourth line. The third line's been doing the job and so is the first and second line. Anders Lee has picked it up. That first goal in game one was all Anders Lee. And that was huge. And even game three, that goal he had today was extremely, extremely important. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, when you get paid $7 million a year and then you're the highest paid player on the team, that's what you're supposed to do. So you don't and, he is do and he is doing it, Chrome. Okay, but here's the thing. You're not going to get extra kudos from me because you're doing what you're getting paid to do. You know what? Here's the thing. These guys set the bar so low with the way they usually play that when they score, oh, my gosh, he scored a goal today. Oh, my, look at how great he's playing now. Well, that's what he's supposed to do. Okay, Bailey, soft. I, every even even now, oh, even now when I watch him, listen to me. When I watch him, soft just describes his play. I just watch. And it's like, look at that soft pass. It almost gets picked off. He's just soft. It's like you know what? He should be the advertisement for Carvel ice cream. I thought you were about to say Charmin, but whatever. I, I you know it, I want the New York people to know what I'm talking about. Maybe they. Well, I'm sure they know about Charmin bathroom features. <laughs> Everybody knows about Charmin bath tissue. Okay. But Carvel, you know, that's like a New York thing. And yeah, it it's is. like the soft serve ice cream. That's the Josh Bailey special right there. The king of the secondary assist. And he had that. Oh, he has had no secondary assists this, this series. Well, this Come series. On, okay, that's right, this series. Okay. They, okay, both Anders Lee and Josh Bailey have done what they're supposed to do. And I give players credit when they do what they're supposed to do, especially in the playoffs when you're playing against the best teams in the NHL. When you do what you're supposed to do, it's important to receive that recognition and kudos. And Anders Lee, three points, three goals. Josh Bailey, three points, one goal, two assists. And it's hard to argue that they have not been you know, carrying their weight, if not more, so far to start this series. This has been a cumulative team effort where everybody is pitching in. And I'm not sure after today's game, but I think it's eight different Islanders have scored in the first three games of this series. And that goal by Matt Barzal was beautiful as well. That was such a speed goal that went ahead, and I think that definitely put the nail in the coffin for the Washington Capitals. Yeah, that's what skill does. And that's what I – honestly, I wish we had more of that. We have one guy who has the skill to make that play. It was fantastic. And I remember watching it. Uh, I saw him coming out. I said, gosh, was he offside? And then you look at the replay. It was just a fantastic play by him and just a spectacular move 
to beat Carlson and Holtby. Just the speed and the quickness that he used, it was fantastic. And honestly, there's nobody else on the Islanders who could have made that play. I think Bavillier could have done that. Not again. Not not with not with the chance of success rate that Barzal did. I think Barzal converts that more times than not because of his speed. But I think Bavillier converts on a chance like that too. I mean, do you think Croc puts that in? I mean, how many how many wide open shots has he had missed in this series? And he scored a beautiful goal coming on a breakaway in game two. Okay, but my gosh, he's had so many chances right in front of him. Just, he's just not a sniper. And I guess, you know, here's the thing. I guess I'm just harder on these guys because of the money they make. And I just think you could do better. Uh, but and he's played grumpy. We're not doing. We're not doing better than Brock. Brock Nelson is doing so well for what he's Like I made. said, and but see, then let me finish. Uh, he's been fantastic at the two-way game so far this playoff, this playoff series, and in the qualifying round against Florida, without a doubt. Uh, I've had no real complaints except that he can't shoot against Nelson. Bailey's still soft, but he's starting to produce. And Anders Lee, like I said, he's had a real yeoman's effort out there this whole playoff series. And his hit changed the tenor of the, the game one and the series. And uh, he's kept it up going uh, throughout this playoff round. So no real complaints. Yes, and I will tell you this much. I, I think – I'll firmly say this. I think there's no way the Washington Capitals win the series. I think, you know, whether the Islanders win in, in four, five, six games, seven games, I, I don't think it really matters. I think losing in overtime like that in the first series and you're going down three to O oh, and the Islanders have really been sucking the life out of you. I think it's pretty safe to say that the Islanders are going to either cap it off in four or five. I made the, I made the prediction last podcast that the Islanders are going to win in five. Um, I think that's probably still safe. I maybe see the Capitals grabbing one game, but I think the Islanders as a whole have really taken the life out of those and, and the wind out of their sails. That's a good way to describe the way the Islanders play. They suck the life out of the game. They- it, it really, if you're not an Islander fan and you're not a fan of physical hockey and you're more of a fan of uh, high offensive talent across the board, you hate to watch the Islanders because their entire objective is to take the high-end offense out of the game to make it all physical and kind of drudge it down, make it more of a um, make it more of a defensive showing, and you know the team falls asleep or they make an error, and the Islanders go ahead and execute. They suck the life out of the game and they suck the life out of the opponent. Yeah, you can't even say they're a hard hitting team. They're not. Uh, they're like the, they finish their checks. They're not a hard hitting team, but they finish checks. They're like the vampires of the NHL. They just suck the life out of everything that they touch. <laughs> and that is the most endearing way I can I can compare them and liken them to a vampire in the most endearing way possible. Yeah, and if I was an Islander fan, I'd actually I absolutely hate to watch Islander games. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's just like when you watch any other type of sport, whether it's basketball, football, soccer, it doesn't matter. If you watch a team that tries to just slow everything down, they try to take all the highly skilled players out of the game, they try to knock them off of their regularly scheduled game, and they try to just execute on a chance here or there, you would hate to watch them if you're not a fan of the Islanders. But you know, us being Islander fans and all the people that listen to this podcast, you know that this is the style they play, and this is what helps them win. But that's the way teams that – don't have high-end talent. That's the way they have to play to be successful. And I feel that's perfect, a perfect way to describe the way we play, the way we're coached, and the vampires of the NHL. Let's see who we're going to suck out next round. Good, this one's over. <laughs> Crumpy. Oh, God, don't clip that. Let's see who we're going to suck out next round. Okay. <laughs> you didn't even understand. That was more of a sexual innuendo I was making well, there. Maybe so. for you. 
I'm like I said, they're vampires. They're gonna put their fangs into somebody's neck and just suck the life out of them. Okay, there we go. That's a better there way to go. phrase How's that? it. A better way to phrase it, Grumpy. I will say this. Um, our five on five play has been excellent. I have been very satisfied with our five on five play. I was very satisfied with our five on five play against the Florida Panthers. And again, it's continuing. Um, the biggest issue, and I and long term, I'm wondering in this this year's playoff scenario, if this is going to catch up to us, is the special teams. Now we have not done very well, and we kind of briefly touched on it earlier. But on the power play opportunity, we are one for 14 so far this series. And I know that we scored and converted a few chances against the Florida Panthers. Let's be honest. We knew that we were going to beat the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers didn't have much going for them. They're not terrific at this time period. Um, And they're kind of in that rebuild-ish type mode, despite even signing um, a Brabovsky last offseason. They're kind of still in rebuild, in my opinion. Um, But we're 1 for 14 on the power play, and our penalty kill has not been terrific. 3 for 11. We've conceded 3 goals on 11 chances. So our power, our penalty kill has not been fantastic. Yeah, uh, that's eventually going to come back to bite us in the butt. I totally believe that. Um, if we don't get better on specials, we're in trouble going forward. Like I said, this series is over for the most part. Uh, of course, you can never say never, you know, until the fat lady sings. But I'm going to tell you what, she's warming up now. She's spraying the little. Uh, Perfume. A little atomizer down the throat, getting ready, la, 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 you know, getting ready to go. So I don't know if it'll be the next game. I could see Washington mailing it in, honestly. I don't know. I mean, haircut has no idea what to do with that team. So I just I just don't know what I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what I was about to say, it'll be interesting to see if if they mail it in. Here's a question, an odd question for you, Grumpy. You think Chad Reardon's gone if they mail it in next game? And they, I'm talking about if they have a poor showing and get almost ran off the ice. Do you think Todd Reardon's job's in trouble? Um, why not? Look what happened in Barcelona Football Club. You get beat 8-2. to two, That coach is gone. Well, I'm talking hockey specifically here. And there's been – and you know, if this season wasn't cut short a little bit, the regular season due to the coronavirus, I think we would have seen even more head coaches fired. But there were a lot of head coaches in the NHL fired this year. And I know it seems like it was long ago that this happened. But what was it, seven or eight NHL coaches were already fired in the regular season this year, and there's only 60-some-odd games played. I remember you talked about that on a podcast uh, earlier this season about, and I think you were had your little scoreboard up for the number of guys fired. But I think Tard Reardon, if they get swept out by the Islanders, I think he's definitely – I think he'll be gone. Well, remember, this is this. If he gets swept by the Islanders, that's the second time he hasn't advanced past the first series of the playoffs. Because last year they were beaten out. I think it was in seven games against the, the Carolina Hurricanes. Is that correct, Grumpy old man? Um, I I don't know who they got bounced out. By. They got they got bounced out by the Carolina Hurricanes in an overtime goal. I just what I didn't remember if it was seven games or how long the series went. But I remember because they talked about it specifically on the uh, NBC Sports Network uh, broadcast today. So they did lose to the, the Carolina Panthers in the first round of the playoffs last year. And if they get swept by the New York Islanders, I'm just wondering if, you know, the coronavirus carries any type of excuse for him to try to keep his job a longer time period. But you have to figure if his job, if he goes ahead and loses and gets swept by the New York Islanders, and if they lose in an unconvincing fashion tomorrow, that his job has to be somewhat in jeopardy. As to how much, I'm not sure, but somewhat. Yeah, he should be gone. I mean, because they haven't played well either. They didn't play well in the three-game run-up, uh, you know, to this playoff series. Um, 
the, the team's not producing. I mean, period. I mean, you're you're that team should have a better power play than 17th in the league with that talent. But they're doing well in the play. I mean, honestly, what let's break it down. Having good regular season records important and everything, but I can care less if I squeak by as the eighth seed in the regular season. But if I win the Stanley Cup, I'm obviously feeling very confident. I don't think it's a huge deal what they did in the regular season because there were still 20 games or some odd left to be played. But how they're performing in the playoffs, I think, matters. I mean, this is his second year in a row where he had inherited a Stanley Cup championship winning team the year before, and he's going to get bounced again in the first round of the playoffs possibly. Well, I just don't think he's that good a coach. I mean, it, it doesn't. Sometimes you lose, but I mean, you can't get swept out. I think it looks bad. Uh, the ownership in Washington has to say, "Gosh, we let Barry Trotz go, and he comes in here and sweeps us." Well, we let Barry Trotz go, and he inherits a team that hadn't been in the playoffs and hadn't won a playoff series in quite some time. I mean, they'd won one playoff series what in the last twenty some odd years. He inherits a team that had been yeah. He, well, the thing is, they won in two thousand sixteen or two thousand fifteen. Was it two thousand sixteen or two thousand fifteen? I believe it was two thousand fifteen against Florida. I remember it was against the Florida Panthers. I couldn't remember what year, but that was the first time they had won an NHL playoff series in the better half of twenty years, and now. You see it to where he inherits that team and he takes them to the playoffs and back to back back to back years. He gets them what's in all likelihood going to be first round victories as well in back to back years in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, well, it is what it is. That's all I can say. Like I said, I I think I think in answer to your question, I think he should lose his job. There's plenty of other guys out there that they could hire who can maybe get more out of this team. Okay, you got to remember how many years does Ovechkin have left? realistically, I'd have to assume not much. I mean, I understand he would have probably hit 50 goals again this year, and he seems like he's not stopping anytime soon. But in the same token, the older you get, the more your game declines. I don't care how good and how talented you are. Eventually, you know, father time wins in all scenarios. Right. And another issue that they have in this playoff series is when Samsonov went down with an injury, they were stuck playing Holtby all the time. And I just don't hope he had lost the starting job to Samsonov for the most part. And I think that was a big loss for them also. I think Holby's time in Washington is as good as gone. He's, I think there's no way they sign him back. And I'll be interested to see where he lands this offseason. Absolutely. He will not be back uh, with Washington next year. Yeah. And this is this is the worst year he has had in quite some time, I think, ever with the Washington Capitals. At least you're looking save percentage wise and goals against average. This has been one of the worst years he's had, statistically speaking, as a starting goaltender for them. So it's it's obviously unfortunate if you're a Washington Capitals fan to kind of see him with the exit that he's going to have from the franchise and the organization. But at the same time, it just seems that his time's up there. Yeah, well, I'm not a Washington Capital fan, so I'm ecstatic that he's performing poorly. Uh, even though he did play pretty, he did play very well today. I'll give him that. Well, Grumpy, there's another thing we have to talk about. On Monday, I think it was Monday. Wow, it seems like it was such a long week. It was either Monday or early in the week. The NHL draft lottery occurred, or the NHL draft lottery occurred, and the New York Rangers, New York Rangers, won the draft lottery. Our luck, our luck, of course. Another team in the Metro wins the draft lottery, and obviously that doesn't bode well um, because the Rangers are going to have some high-powered offensive talent. Their rebuild is, I'll tell you what. 
they're going to be scary. They're going to be really scary. I'm worried about the, the New York Rangers because, I mean, Shesterkin's playing extremely well in net. The defense can use, I'm sure, a little piece here or there, but they have so much high-powered offense now that's going to be on that team that it is a scary – it's a scary thing to think about that we're going to be playing the rags, which uh, – the rags, the Rangers, my God almighty. I hate that they won the draft lottery. There could not have been a worst-case scenario for the Islanders than the Rangers winning the draft lottery. Yep, that's worst-case scenario for us. And, you know, they got Kako last year with, I believe, the number two pick. And, yes. uh they got Panarin, obviously, in they the offseason. That's the guy I wanted him <laughs> desperately. Um, and they, like I said, their rebuild's almost over. And I remember, you know, they came out like a year and a half ago and they said, you know what? They said to their fan base, you know what? We're going in for full rebuild right now. And, and I remember their, hold on, Grumpy. I need to, I need to add something. They had had so many people questioning them because they were a borderline playoff caliber team. They were technically in the playoffs the moment that they sent the letter out to the fans saying, we're doing a rebuild. And everybody flipped the crap in a half because, oh, my gosh, the Rangers are rebuilding. They're in a playoff spot right now. I think even you and I talked about it, how we were kind of shocked of that. Maybe I, Honestly, I can't remember what my, what my take of that was two or three years ago. But I remember we had talked about it on a podcast, Grumpy Old Man, that they had sent out a letter saying they were going to go rebuild mode despite being in a playoff spot at the NHL trade deadline. Well, I remember my reaction. I thought it was a smart thing. If you know that your team isn't going anywhere, is currently constituted, you're not going to compete for a cup, go into your rebuild. That's fine. At least they at least they had the guts to actually say, this is what we're going to do. And the Rangers have never done that in the past. That's the thing that was surprising. The Rangers would always go out and spend money to try to fill in gaps. But I, they came to the realization, you know what? We can't be chasing our tail just competing for the seventh or eighth player spot every year and getting bounced out of the in the early rounds. So they said, let's go full rebuild. Let's trade our guys. Let's build up through the youth of the system. And they got a couple, they got a little bit of luck the last couple of years. Um, a little bit of luck, Grumpy. I'm gonna say a significant amount. I mean, Panarin signing, that is that is awesome if you're a Rangers fan. That was great. And then Capococco, obviously that was extremely important. And Shesterkin coming over and being everything is advertised is huge. And then they went to draft lottery again this year. That is about as ideal of a rebuild as possible. Now, there have been teams who have had those ideal rebuilds, and they've had almost everything go right when it comes to the draft lottery, like the Edmonton Oilers have had. And they got bounced quite early again. They just haven't seemed to be able to put things together. So, you know, the only thing really we can hope is that they are incompetent and can't get things to work there. But in the same token, that was about as bad of a scenario as possible that the Rangers won the NHL draft lottery. Yeah, and Alex Lafreriere is going to be – I mean, I think he's a perfect match for what they do there. Um, I, like I said, they're, they're a team on the rise. They really are. They need help on the defensive end. Yes, they do. Um, but the skill positions are there for them. Absolutely. And they're going to have all the high-end skill. They've got the goalie, which is important. Um, at least that looks like they have the goalie as of right now. You can always get third and fourth line guys. They're always available. The toughest thing to get is the guy in net, which they have, and uh, the your top six forwards. Those are, the, those are the two hardest things to get in hockey, the skill players and the goalie. Uh, and of course, you want a number one defenseman. But I mean, you can get defensemen and and, and third and fourth line guys. That, that's easy to get. I was about to say, you you honestly want a top pairing defenseman or two top pairing defensemen. That's important. But even if you're looking at your third and fourth guy on defense and even your fifth and sixth, you can build that through the draft. You can build that through player growth, et cetera. Um, but 
having that type of game-changing, franchise-caliber offensive talent, that's hard to come by. And having a guy in that is really tough to come by. So that was obviously worst-case scenario that the New York Rangers won the draft lottery. Um, but we won't lament too much on that because, you know, what's done is done. I want to ask you a few general questions about these NHL playoffs that I've been seeing. Now, Grumpy, there's been a little bit of controversy um, – regarding, I guess, the Zdeno Chara mix-up with uh, Shvechnikov of the Carolina Hurricanes um, and a few members of the media saying some uh, choice things. And I won't dig too much into those, Grumpy, but I want to ask your opinion on the, I guess, the kerfluffle between uh, Zdeno Chara and Shvechnikov, which ended in Shvechnikov being injured. And again, the severity of the injury, I'm not 100% sure, but it looks like he's going to miss some time. Yeah, I didn't. Okay, you got to go back a little bit. I think earlier in that series, I think it was the game two, um, Sveshnikov kind of ran Charlie McAvoy a little bit, and he and Chara got into it. And Chara really could have beat the hell out of him. I mean, it was like a man and a boy out there. And he just held him off and kind of gave him a couple little shots of it, but nothing bad. And the, the, the play where he got injured, I didn't think Chara did anything wrong in, on that. He was standing in front of the net, and I just think he took a bad step, and he kind of got his. Well, they were kind of tangled up, and again, like their feet were kind of tangled, and I think Chara kind of knew. Obviously, he wanted to have himself in good position, and unfortunately, it resulted in Shvechnikov kind of being bent up down like a pretzel. You hate to see that for anybody, though. Yeah, he. I, I don't know what they said the injury was, but it didn't look good. That much I can tell you. When I see something like that and they immediately grabs his knee, I'm like, oh, he's torn something. Either that. I mean, he's. it looked like the inside part of his knee, which is an MCL. Yeah, I thought it was Again, good. they haven't come out exactly as to what happened, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if he tore an MCL on a play like that. And I hate to see something like it because, honestly, it's such a fluky incident. And I, I hate to see any high-caliber player, any player at all, tear a knee like that. Yeah, I thought it was his ankle, honestly. It might have been his ankle. He grabbed his knee. Maybe he just couldn't bend all the way to his ankle. Anytime I see someone grab their knee, I look, is it inside or outside? Immediately, I'm like, ACL or MCL. So that's my, that's what my thought was. Maybe it was his ankle. I'm not 100% sure. But no matter what, I think he's going to miss an extended time. Yeah, he won't be back this series. I'm gonna I, I think even if the Carolina Hurricanes advance, he probably won't be back next series either. Yeah, I don't. I I think he's done for the year. Um, or maybe if you know the Carolina Hurricanes advance all the way to Stanley Cup Finals, maybe he might be on the mend, depending on what type of injury it was and how severe it was. But he's definitely going to be out for an extended time period. I do agree. Yeah, I, yeah. Just like I said, the way I saw that ankle, lower leg thing kind of move in funky directions, doesn't speak for a short term thing. I mean. I, I do. It's a shame because I, I really like him as a player. I really do. He's physical. He's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, he was a great draft pick by them when they got him with the number two pick in the draft how, what, two, three years ago. Well, that's what I was about to say. It seems like all the teams in the Metro have been winning the draft lottery or coming out very, very pretty in the draft lottery. I mean, you even look at Nico Heeshear for the uh, the Devils not too long ago. And, and they have, what was that? And then they got Jack Hughes last year. Yes, I was about to say, they the Metro team seem to be coming out and getting some really, really quality draft picks. And it's going to be interesting to see in a few years how that's going to bode for the Islanders and, and the, the makeup that we have. Because, and again, drafting in the top five doesn't guarantee you 
long-term success, as I'm sure the Oilers, you can look at them, you can look at the Islanders back in the day, and things of that nature. That alone doesn't make you a successful team, but it definitely gives you a high chance to build something special. Well, remember, we got a, we got a, we won a first pick in the draft. We got Johnny Trader uh, way back when. So. <laughs> oh, well, Grumpy, we actually have to address that because we recorded uh, early on Sunday, I believe, last week, and it was the Blue Jackets against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Blue Jackets sent the Toronto Maple Leafs home packing. They didn't have to travel too far because they went right back home and they were already in Toronto. But I, I saw a few tweets that, that kind of made me chuckle saying that the Islanders won an NHL playoff series in Toronto before John Tavares did. And I, I kind of chuckled at that. I thought it was kind of tactful and funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was nice that JT got a chance to go home and put on his Maple Leaf pajamas that night. I'm happy for him. Oh, grumpy. I saw all those type of tweets and I was eating them up. I, I couldn't help but smile. Um, and Columbus, again, let me tell you something about Columbus. They're going to be a tough out. I still think that Tampa Bay has too much talent for them. Uh, but Tampa Bay's added some grit this year. The way they came will, back after that five overtime loss tells you something about the character of those players to come back and win game two. I, I agree. Um, I think that series is going to go at least six games. And even if the Columbus Blue Jackets move on, it's really tough to go. You know, I mean, they went to game five and they were playing, you know, really tough hockey against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then this game, this series against the, the Tampa Bay Lightning has had a few overtime matchups and it's been a hard and tough series. Yeah. That continues to wear on you over time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of think it's going to be Colorado and Tampa um, at the end of the day. Uh, but watch out for Vegas Golden Knights. They've been really fantastic too. I'm going to put it to you like this, Grumpy. I think the Islanders are going to be a tough out, and I think the Islanders are advancing past the, past the Washington Capitals. Um, by the time we podcast next, hopefully I think we will have – the matchup of who we're going to be playing in the next round of the playoffs. But I think, again, the Islanders, they're going to be alive and kicking. I think they're going to beat the Washington Capitals in a series. They're up 3 to nothing. I've loved the way they played. Um, Barry Trotz has done, again, wonderful things there with his strategy and his, his defensive-minded discipline. And I think it's definitely helped us advance – or it's going to help us advance past the Washington Capitals for sure. Yeah, Um I mean, I don't know if we get swept out in the next series if we sweep Washington. Does that mean we're due to get swept in the next round? <laughs> well, that's how it happened last year in the playoffs, right? We that's swept the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then we got swept by the Carolina Hurricanes, who then got swept by the Boston Bruins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you just you just kind of look at how things are going. You, you look at how well Montreal is playing, uh, and Carey Price is hot as a firecracker right now. I mean, he's been fantastic in net. Uh, I could see them beating Philadelphia. I don't think Philadelphia is that good, first of all. And I, I understand. I was about to say, I understand Philadelphia has the one seed in the East Coast, but in the same token, I don't think they're that good. And you saw it, you saw it I think it was a few nights ago. They came out and they really lit the scoreboard against the Philadelphia Flyers. And it's interesting to see how they come back after facing a little bit of adversity. Well, you had Claude Julian who went out with um, a heart issue. Uh, so you know a team's going to come out fired up. I'll be interested to see tonight because we're doing this after the Islander game. Tonight, the Flyers play Montreal. Yes, I do. Uh, I think 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And Oscar Lindblom, uh, Lindblom who uh, went out 
he had some type of cancer issue. He had, he had a very, very rare bone cancer earlier on this year. He came out and he practiced with the team. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or today. And that has to be an emotional lift for the Flyers. So you're going to find out a lot about the Flyer team today and seeing how they come out and perform. And I think that'll kind of tell you how that series is going to go. Yes, I think today is definitely a crucial game. Obviously, if the Canadians lose, um, I think it definitely bodes well for the Flyers long term. But it's going to be interesting to see what transpires, Grumpy. Um, it's way too early to make predictions on who the Islanders are going to face in the next round of the playoffs. Again, if they do, I think they will advance. They're up 3 nothing, But it's still not over. It's not over till it's over. Yeah, uh, I agree. I Like I said, I don't. I'm leery about Boston, even though Tuka Rask kind of gave up the rest of the year. He said he wanted to be with his family. Uh, he left you, the bubble, which means Halak is the only goalie that they have. I, I want to I want to address something about that. Now, Grumpy, what exactly – I can't remember the exact verbiage that Tuka Rask used, but he's done for the rest of the playoffs, correct? Yes. He said he's done – he's opting out for the rest of the playoffs. Wow. He wanted to spend time with his family. I just found it kind of strange. You listen to his to his uh, interview after they had uh, lost the previous game, and he's like, well, it doesn't really feel like a playoff atmosphere. You could tell his head wasn't in it. So I don't know. I don't know what goes on. With, I, I don't even, I'm not even going to speculate, uh, you know, his mindset. But obviously he didn't want to be there for this playoff series for whatever reason. And I, and think, I think it's Boston in a bind going forward. And, and kind of what I grabbed from it, and again, I'm not going to speculate too much on it, is he didn't have the hockey playoff, the playoff atmosphere type of environment. And obviously I think he's worried a little bit. He wants to be with his family. And it didn't feel like NHL playoffs because there's no fans. There's no enthusiasm behind it. There's no momentum that's impacted by, you know, crowd crowd cheers and everything like that. I think it just fell off to him. And and he's kind of taken the rest of the playoffs off. That had, That's a huge blow, I think, to, to the Boston Bruins for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. So, and I know, and I know, Halak had a pretty good season this, or I think he had a really good season this year. I, I can't remember exactly what his stats were, but he had a really good season for the Boston Bruins, if I remember correctly. So it's going to be interesting to see how he's able to carry the load as you know the guy in Boston. He's not Tuka Rask. I mean, I'm not saying that he can't play well for some games, but you know, Tuka was the guy there. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't like Boston either, so I'm not rooting for them. I'm well, he. I mean, he had he had good numbers. I, I'm sorry, Grumpy. I just want to go ahead and add in. And, you know, his two years at Boston, he's had good numbers. I mean, this last year, he had a, a 919 save percentage and a uh, 239 goals against average. And the year before, looking at a 922 save percentage and a uh, and a 934 goals against average. I had a chance to pull it up there as you're speaking. But he played really well in the regular series, regular season. But there's a big difference from being the backup as opposed to being the starter. That's exactly it. He's the backup. So, and, you know, that was always going to be, for a while they were 1A, 1B, but, you know, Rask was the starter and Halak's the backup. I mean, those are that's just the way it was. So we'll see how that, we'll see how that plays out going forward. Yes, we will, grumpy old man. But is there anything else you want to kind of add in today's podcast before we wrap things up? Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you, I've really been impressed with the Vancouver Canucks. Jacob Markstrom's been great in goal, and Bo Horvat has been fantastic. I mean, that's that's a captain right there. He's got six goals in the playoffs, big-time player, uh, produces at big-time moments, 
they won last night in overtime, correct, Grumpy Old Man? Um, I don't think it was last night. I think I think they played last night. Uh, I don't, honestly, it doesn't matter. They've played well, the Vancouver Canucks, though, and I do agree, Grumpy Old Man. Yeah, no, um, it, was, it was Friday, and they're up they're up two nothing on uh, St. Louis, and they play today, and that was an overtime game. So they play uh, they play this evening. So this is do or die for St. Louis as well, defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, um, I do agree, and. That Vancouver Canucks team is another team that we're going to be seeing for a long time to come if they're able to keep that team, uh, at least the core together, because that team is young, have a lot of offensive talent they've built around. They've got a lot of puck-moving defensemen, not so many big, huge defensemen that are like your stereotypical six foot two, six foot three uh, defensive defensemen. They've got a lot of offensive defensemen and talented defensemen all together, and the, de- the goaltending has, has come. And that's, I think, the biggest part about it. Yeah, Quinn Hughes is a really big addition for them on the back end. Boquist. They've got Boquist, correct, as well? No, he was with Chicago. Chicago, that's right. Yeah, Quinn Hughes is is their big young guy. But they still have Alex Edler back there and Chris Tanev, who are solid veterans. And you're right, they have youth up front in Pedersen and Horvat. Uh, they're they're a team on the they're a team on the come for certain. I'm I, and I always I've always liked Vancouver, so uh, it's nice to see them uh, back in the hunt. Well, I always felt a little bad for Vancouver after everything transpired the way it did against the Boston Bruins. I thought that year they I think they won the, did they win the President's Trophy that year? They were, they were by far the best team in the league in 2011. They wound up uh, getting a string of injuries running through the West that year. They had to beat Chicago, and Nashville was a big, nasty series. Uh, they lost Kessler. They were down to playing like their number eight and nine defensemen in the organization. When they wound up playing against Boston, they wound up losing in seven games. Uh, Tim Thomas was fantastic in that series. Um, and they had, like I said, Edler was playing with two broken fingers, and you can imagine how tough that is. And he had to play because they had nobody else. And Aaron Rome got suspended for the whole series. With That's right. Too. Dan Hamhuse was hurt. Ryan Kessler was hurt, like I mentioned. They had a bunch of injuries. Yes, Grumpy. It's definitely – I've enjoyed watching them play a little bit. They're they're an up-and-comer, and they have a very, very strong farm too. I am, That's going to be a team to really worry about in the future. And Old Islander Travis Green is their head coach. That is true. I do recall that. Uh, but, Grumpy, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap things up? No, I just – by the next time we talk, the Islanders are going to be into the second round of the playoffs, and we don't know who they're going to be playing. Uh, I'm just confident of that at this point. <laughs> I am too, Grumpy, old man. But thank you so much for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And thank you so much to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow us to have this podcast on multiple different platforms. Whether you listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. So thank you to them, and thank you so much again, Grumpy Old Man. Thank you.